What happens when a Greek yogurt product founder has two beloved pets with digestive tract challenges? He creates a probiotic food pet company, of course. <laughs> That's right. Stay tuned for the Startup Life live show. Let's glow. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Startup Life live show. I'm your host, Andy Lyons, four times founder and startup champion to founders around the world. And after raising four businesses of my own, I now share founder startup stories to help newly minted business owners find the solutions and inspirations they need to succeed. And I am so grateful that you carved out time to tune in and up your founder game while cheering on a fellow founder. You never know, a new solution, an idea, an aha moment may happen that helps you run back to your business and make new changes and new solutions. If you're joining us live today, please say a big hello in the comment section. And if you're watching the replay, please say hello. I'll swing by and, and say hi right back. So grateful that you're tuning in. And how do you know whenever I post a new episode on the Startup Life Live show? Well, you know, I go live every, well, most Tuesdays and Fridays. You join the Startup Life Live meetup group. And I just have to say, just for those who are listening, go to bit.ly backslash Startup Life Live. Live is in caps and join the group because that way you'll receive an alert whenever I post a new episode. And we've got so many great founders coming up and wonderful opportunities for you to learn and feel less isolated on your founder journey. And I got to say thank you for sharing your like love Wherever you're watching this video, we are live on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Periscope. And by sharing your like love, <laughs> that's right, like on that video, it goes out to your stream, out to your community. And you never know who you might be helping by introducing them to the show or letting them know about this specific episode. And if you're tuning in from YouTube and haven't done so already, I would be extremely grateful for your subscribe love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It really helps us reach more first-time founders and help them maximize the joy and minimize the heartache from their startup life and journey. And if you resonate with the show's mission of amplifying diverse founder voices while serving first-time founders around the world, please reach out to me to learn more about how you can make a greater impact on the startup ecosystem through sponsoring the Startup Life Live show. Andy at andylyons.com is how you can reach me. So I'm very excited to introduce you to a pet lover. And for those of you who have pets, you know that we're always about their happiness because they make us so happy. But our guest today, Basil Nassar, has an extraordinary startup background as well. He is the two-legged creator of Boss Nation Brands. Okay, that's a dog on the left and a cat on the right. And this is a line of innovative pet products that promote gut health through probiotic and prebiotic nutrition. And Nasser's best friends and loyal followers, well, they're a 170-pound Rhodesian Ridgeback dog and an 11-pound, yikes, Siamese Lynx cat. And they're his inspiration for founding Boss Nation brands with the Boss Dog brand and Boss Cat brand pillars. 
So let's bring Basil into the room and welcome him with the Startup Live. Welcome. Woo! Hi, Andy. Hey, I am, so, I am so happy to have you on the show. Where are you hailing from? Seattle, Washington. Oh, my gosh. How are you guys doing? How's the weather? Any fires? What's going on around there? We're, we're enjoying our short bit of sunshine. And then as soon as you pull the patio equipment out, you got to put it back in for the rain. So it's a short-lived... Uh, I know, I know. Oh, and so I'm so delighted that you could join me and share your journey with us um, on the Startup Life Live show because, you know, we learn so much from founders like you on how to do more and be more with our own founder journeys. So let's get right into a first quick hello. Hey, thank you. Aaron Weisblatt for your quick you go girl. Thank you so much. And again, a happy birthday to you. I know it was last week, but really you got to celebrate for the month. So happy to see you. And hi, Asia, waving from Boston. So happy to see you. Thank you for, so much for tuning in. So Basil, I mean, you know, I, I have a deep appreciation for doing any kind of product on a shelf because I had a food business myself. So I understand the challenges that can come with moving product and shelf life and things like that. What first, though, called you to become an entrepreneur? You have a really extensive background in working for others. I'm just curious, what made you leave payroll behind? And jump in to entrepreneurship. I think, you know, it started uh, in my early 20s. I was exposed to operations and accounting and finance at a few different levels. I had an opportunity to work for another entrepreneur who understand understood all the different aspects of the business. So I, uh, I took a liking to, uh, you know, understanding the you know, core economics of um, cost accounting uh, how you um, manage supply chain and all of it. So I, I figured I had done it enough for people over the years. Uh, in 2002, uh, I decided to uh, surround myself with some good people and do it for myself. So I think, you know, it's partly I learning, love it. learning off of other people's time and dime and then uh, and then improvising <laughs> and, and uh, adding value to your own methodology. So that's, Well, that's I just have to fan myself a little over that supply chain and cost of goods sold folks yeah. i tell you it's it can be very exciting when you start nailing down those things and making your operations smoother we'll go into more details there but i have a really deep appreciation for that did you have any role models other than the folks that you were you know working for an entrepreneur did you see entrepreneurship growing up are you one of these people who had a lemonade stand and a few businesses before you turned 12. My father was uh, um, more of a Fortune 500 guy, but for a spell, he was an entrepreneur. When we lived in the Middle East, uh, he was in manufacturing and building. So I saw slightly different perspective to approaching business when we were there. Uh, so I think I would say, you know, my father first and foremost. And then um, I had a lot of inspiration, you know, from like Lee Iacocca. I actually had the pleasure of meeting him a few years wow, ago. Wow, I haven't heard that name in years. So just, oh. you know, the discipline of... Uh, prepping Sunday night for your Monday morning and, you know, those kind of things. That Absolutely. As an entrepreneur to be successful. Well, I think it's, you know, so important in the entrepreneurship journeys to, is that self-discovery. Are you capable of being self-directed, self-motivating, applauding yourself, you know, <laughs> especially if solopreneurs, you know, I'm always turned into the plants and cats for feedback because who else is there? Uh, but you do, you have to encourage yourself and move yourself forward. So I really appreciate that. So, you, and 
I have two cats and of course, Hairball City and you name it happens with them. <laughs> but I know I have good friends. I know Aaron has a, a puppy, you know, a wonderful, beautiful dog who also suffers from digestive tract. Tell us about the story that happened that you were looking at your, your beloved pets and saying, dang, there's got to be a better way to live here for these two. I think initially it came from having over 20 years of experience in Greek yogurt for humans. So we'd founded a Greek yogurt company in early 2002. Uh, and, it, you know, interestingly enough, we had a great run. Uh, the, the category was exploding uh, through most of the 2000s. So in 2010, we were fortunate enough to sell the business. And uh, our acquirer was a very large natural organic group. And what they brought to, to the table was, um, you know, advisory teams, regulatory research and development. So for about eight years, we learned how to infuse probiotics into dairy-based uh, solutions, plant-based soups, uh, just a whole variety of different things. So after, you know, working for the man per se for about eight years post-acquisition, we decided, why not do this for ourselves? You know, so I surrounded myself with my top people, uh, our back office and marketing team and our head of regulatory and I said, let's go learn pet. Uh, and, you know, equally, I was inspired by my own animals. You know, we started with uh, Kelby, our 170-pound Ridgeback, as you said, and, uh, and Frankie the cat. And now we've uh, expanded into four dogs, uh, the three mm -hmm. cats, and our 140-pound rescue tortoise. So it's turned into Boss Nation Ranch over here. <laughs> Uh, if we ever have another brand pillar, I think we have pets here to drive trial. So it's there. We uh, go. Now I love that, and you know, it's one thing to say, "Well, let's look at the pet industry," and you know, I'm sure you saw what a lucrative industry it can be, provided you play it right. Yes. Well, the, the barriers to entry are very high in pet. Yes. Also, you know, I've I've been in consumer uh, consumer product goods. I've been in liquor and spirits. And I will say the most challenging industry that I've been involved in to date is pet, uh, namely pet specialty. Uh, it's very competitive. I mean, people say, you know, it's a 90 plus billion dollar industry across all channels, but you're splitting that up amongst about 8,000 brands that are all trying to figure out how to romance protein. So it's, uh, you know, it has quite the challenge. So I typically look at narrow segment entry mm -hmm. style frozen yogurt treat was our first uh, segment. Uh, we generated a lot of noise. I had a lot to say because of the 20 year background. So then, of course, we were able to innovate very quickly off of uh, that success. Excellent. And, you know, this is can be the biggest challenge for a founder is to find that white space in that crowded market. Yeah. And so you were bringing wonderful lived experience 20 years. And by the way, congrats on the exit. Okay. That's, you know, we cheer everybody on for that. That's a big woohoo. Um, and it validates on so many levels. Um, but also you were bringing that probiotic, but you had to do the intense research. You had to figure out, you know, you got to meet the pet's needs, but really you're selling to the pet owner, right? Yeah. We, 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 sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. I love that. Go ahead. We, uh, we followed a very high standard when we were in the consumer world. And unfortunately, when we got into pet, we found out that the current governing body wasn't applying that same quantification. Right. So we brought a very disciplined uh, formulation approach to our pet concepts. We wanted to front load probiotics to a level that was sustainable at the end of shelf life, thereby guaranteeing the quantity. That's something that you haven't seen in pet yet. And that's why boss dog and boss cat stand out as the, the digestive leaders. So that's, I think that was the first thing and figuring out how to quantify 
uh, how many probiotics a pet actually needs, and then uh, ultimately to make quality food, right? Because pets are finicky, well, and if you can't get them to consume it, then uh, it doesn't matter what the bag looks like. <laughs> that's right. And again, Aaron, hello, right? Yeah. <laughs> With your puppy, your beautiful girl. It's so true. Um, you know, dogs get a bad rap of wanting to eat anything, right? No, that's not always the case. But did you go to a lab? Did you, or maybe you already had those connections and you say, right. hey, look, you know, we've been doing human for years. Now we need you to talk pet, right? Our, our first entry is actually human grade. So we, we have human grade affidavits to support the Greek style frozen yogurt. So you'll oftentimes catch me maybe even leading the, th eating the thing, even though I don't encourage it. Um, I, I typically start with supply chain. I love to have a great origin story. So who are my farmers? Where's the milk coming from? Where's the protein coming from? So that's critical. And then I have to have a working relationship with them because uh, if we're going to scale any business, you know, you need to have a, a partner that can help scale uh, and understands, uh, you know, supply chain. And that's right. typically what I look for. But everything that we do has a great origin story, either the proteins from the Pacific Northwest, all the milk comes from the Central Valley, three generation farmer. Uh, so, you know, I've, you're I'm, like, yeah, you're I'm, like our local hero, Gary from Stonyfield Yogurt, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I know Gary, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yogurt days. Right. Yeah. So you know his story back in the 80s, you know, and he was doing the same thing. And, you know, I love the fact that he finally sold the business so he could pay his dairy farmers back because they fronted him. Yeah. But that's so important to, you know, the boost your local economy, folks. This is, the I think, one of the greatest gifts of being a founder. Do you agree, Basil, that we get to lift a local economy, give jobs, support people who are working hard to move their product? Oh, absolutely. You know, but I'll tell you in full transparency, this is the toughest job market we've ever seen. You know, we can sit here and talk peaches and cream all day, but it's, you know, we have, you know, hundreds of applicants, but very few real candidates out there, unfortunately. So I think uh, for us as an entrepreneur, it's surrounding yourself with the right people. And this has been a very difficult job market. Uh, for yeah. us. So can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. Like what is it? What is the, what are the skills that you are missing when you look through the talent acquisition at process mm -hmm. and the resumes you're getting? Well, I'm fortunate to have a great back office. So from, uh, you know, all our APAR um, in, uh, inventory flow invoicing, I'm very strong there. So uh, that gives me the luxury to go out and uh, fund and allocate dollars for customer acquisition is what I typically call it, building out your yeah. sales team, you know, and uh, that's what we've done recently. You know, we, we've heavily invested in bringing people in that understand the industry. Uh, pet specialty is all up and down the street. So it's largely still about relationships uh, and people that want to get out and hustle. And uh, that's right. And, and I know from being part of um, natural products, East, West, you name it, right? The the pet category first was this tiny little section back in, you know, 2000. And yeah. it started to like explode. Oh, yeah, yeah we're no longer, no longer kibble and bits. What you're seeing now is what I like to call the premiumization of the pet specialty channel. Mm. You're seeing the frozen segments where raw is becoming uh, more encouraged uh, and understood. And I think uh, over the next few years, you're going to see a real boom in those particular areas of the store. Right. So, and I'm going to go a little deep here, especially for our folks who do anything in manufacturing product that is going to be eaten, whether it's by pets or humans, consumed <laughs> and eaten. And so it's, you know, you, you identified your 
suppliers, folks you wanted to work with that were local and, and really understood what you were trying to do, but you still have to bring it all together. Mm -hmm. And, and what's great about your background, Basil, is that you lived that for years with your yogurt company. So you're have a deeper understanding than most of the folks who are tuning in what that manufacturing process is like. And you probably mm -hmm. had some good inroads to make sure that your co-man uh, was good and, and, and you would work out the right deal with them. But oh. now you're pet food, so maybe you're not, you don't have the, is a gluten-free environment, you know, the wheat-free environment, you know. You'd be surprised. I think the, the standard of identity that they're applying to pet food is as stringent as you're seeing in human. And, you know, normally you would see certain trends in human foods uh, parallel within four to five years in pet. Now you're almost seeing it within a year. Uh, and I think the best example is we have uh, a couple of people that come over and watch our pets when we're out and they're vegan. And by being vegan, they uh, choose to feed their pets vegan. So there's th that mentality as well. So it's very interesting to see, you know, what's happening as the, the, the channel. Now I have to ask, uh, curious minds want to know, right? I mean, I don't look at you know, our pets who tend to be carnivores, I thought, mm -hmm. and think vegan. Yeah, Is we, that okay for them? I'll tell you, at Boss Nation, we encourage uh, meat protein uh, just in terms of the, the way I've seen my animals respond to it, their coat, the, the shedding, uh, they're yeah. healthy. Uh, I'm not saying that a vegan approach won't work. It's just not typically um, our formulation structure or strategy. Yeah. I Is that well said, everybody? Ooh. So diplomatic. We could hire you and other relations around the world. Okay. I just want to say a quick hello to Brent up in Ottawa, Canada. Thank you for tuning in, Brent. You're always doing amazing work in your world. Asia had a quick question for you, Basil. Was that a rescue tortoise? Oh, yeah. His name's Otis. He's a 150-pounder. He's a sulcata tortoise from Africa. And uh, so I was encouraged to get him from uh, my wife, who had a small little five-pound rescue tortoise back in the day. Uh, it turns out, you know, he was about four hundred dollars. Uh, we actually rescued him. They begged us to, to come out and get him because they were going to leave him out in the desert overnight. And we said that can't be. So we ran out, took four guys to load him in the truck. But the habitat we built for him was about twenty times what we paid for the tortoise. He's. Uh, but yeah, you had fun building it, oh, didn't yeah, you? Great time with it. Yeah, I wish I could show yeah. you a picture of it. Oh, my gosh. We'd love that. All right. Well, well next time. Um, and Richard, oh, I know. I can hear you going probiotic leader. Yes, sir. All right. I love that. I can add to that, too, with this comment regarding probiotic leader. It's, it's one thing to say that you have probiotics in your product and another thing and to put sufficient levels. Uh, probiotics are live uh, spores, live yeah. bacteria, and they're very susceptible to uh, kill steps that happen during processing. So you really need to know what type of probiotic to use and how much of it to use to get survivability. So a lot of times you'll see probiotic claims on packages. Uh, there, there, in fact, may be a probiotic strain in there. Whether or not you're getting sufficient levels remains to be seen, whereas with Boss Dog or Boss Cat, you'll get, you know, 500 million probiotics per patty or per cup. And that's guaranteed analysis. So right. And folks, yeah. having that data is so important. You know, Boston uh, Nation's brand has spent the time and extensive research knowing from their past experience how important it is not just to throw some probiotics at you, but how many do you, this pound dog, cat, 
et cetera, need for your digestive tract. And again, I know that this is a huge problem for so many pet owners, the digestion. Okay, LinkedIn user, I'm so sorry that we don't have your, sometimes this happens on live stream with LinkedIn, um, but this LinkedIn user says, this is such an important and needed product for pets. Two of my friends just in the past couple of months have had serious dogs with digestive issues and spent hundreds of dollars on multiple pet visits and not sure they were ever really diagnosed. I also give my foster dogs OTC human probiotics when they arrive. So many stories she could share or he could share. Great job, Behazel, in filling this need. Thank you. Thank you, whoever you are, <laughs> for tuning in. I'm so sorry LinkedIn didn't say anything, but yay. So here, I'm just, just going to go in this co-pack, just one more time. Sure. Did you develop your own or did you outsource your manufacturing? You know, I'll tell you, I've seen both sides of the business, you know, in terms of uh, scalability. And, you know, we were at one point doing over 100 million pounds of Greek yogurt. And people ask the question, at some point, when do you look at vertical integration? And I'll tell you, it takes a lot of throughput to fill up those facilities, you know. So I prefer to, um, to lead out as a brand building and marketing company and then just partner with great farmers and ranchers for my supply side. So that's just typically the way I've seen my business. If there's ever an opportunity to integrate uh, vertically, we'll, we'll look at it, but it's uh, likely not going to happen. Yeah, folks, don't get like turned on by the quote sexiness of when you go and visit the manufacturing facility. It is so hard to do what they do. Let them stay brilliant at the manufacturing while yeah. you get to full-time build your business. And Basil, the reason I'm taking us on this little journey is that these are the steps a founder has to figure out when they're launching a product that's going to go on a shelf. You've got to decide, you know, what are the ingredients? Get them tested. How much is going to go into each bite, right? All of those things. Then you got to figure out the manufacturing, where are you going to source, et cetera before you even get to the point where you're out testing and finding out, do customers want what you're selling? So on the Startup Life Live show, we are all about proving that value prop. And um, in fact, I often love to just give it a, a, a woo-hoo because um, it's like... You know, we all start off with a hypothesis that, you know, dog owners are going to want some food with uh, tested and proven probiotics in them, but then you've got to get them to buy it. So talk a little bit about how you took your hypothesis, even with someone with such an extensive background like yours, and went about and started to test. And then please let us know if, well, what you learned from the customers when they started to actually buy versus try it for free. Well, it was a, a virgin industry for me. I had never, I didn't know anything about pet. I didn't know who the distributors were. I was just learning, um, you know, channel structure. And so for me, I had to start from the ground up. Uh, so initially I just surrounded myself with some pet pros, asked all the right questions. And then, um, you know, I would say within about nine months, we had enough Intel uh, to come to market. And then of course COVID hit. So, um, you know, generally speaking, you know, a startup, uh, should not survive a global pandemic. Uh, we did, uh, you know, and, and I think it was because pet stores were, were essential. Yeah. You know, and it's the one time you'll hear me talk about it here on the show today, but I mean, in all reality, it did uh, throw a few curveballs at us. Right. Uh, so once I understood how to get listings, um, how to get to market, 
uh, who the uh, low-hanging fruit retailers were. We went uh, after them aggressively. And I not only have an operations background, but I like to sell the products that I innovate as well. So I carried my own bag for about a year and a half uh, up until, uh, you know, everything slowed down. And then. Uh, nice. Yeah. All right. I love that term. Carried my own bag. Come on. Yeah. Tell us more. Well, you know, you have to, I think, if you're going to innovate your own products and you're going to speak to retailers, especially in pet, where, you know, they're highly intrigued as to the supply side, your story of everything from ingredients to formulation. Whereas, you know, I, I like to use the analogy, if you walk into a human store as a consumer, uh, you can probably find the, the bread aisle on your own and probably make a conscious decision to buy mm -hmm. sprout bread for the day without a lot of assistance. But when you walk into a pet store, right. you have a whole series of questions. You know, either your dog has digestive health needs, is aging, you have a new puppy, and the first person you ask is the retailer. And so I learned right in the beginning, and here's the, the secret to the industry, folks, uh, this and uh, persistence, uh, activate your gatekeeper, you know, get your retailer to talk about your line, get them excited about your brand. So that was where I invested a lot of time and effort right in the beginning. And still today, we have our at your service team that works very closely with each retailer to activate them, bring them training, a point of sale material. And Excellent. I think that's critical if you're going to launch a brand because there's too many concepts, Andy, I've seen where people have, you know, Uncle Joe's barbecue sauce. They get it all the way to market. And then, you know, you realize you do have to spend some money and give away some product to get trial. Just, and yeah. Just because everybody around you loves it, it keeps begging for more. doesn't mean anybody else is going to. And even then, you know, you don't know how you're going to get on the shelf and make all that happen and have the margins to do that. Just as an aside, Basil, with my food business, I got certified as a woman-owned business through WeBank, the Women's Business Enterprise National Council. And I launched my food products through supplier diversity programs because women are minority vendors. And so I worked with Compass and Sodexo and Aramark, who shot it out to corporate and college campuses and hospitals and you name it. And I was... Yeah, I scaled nationally in under 24 months, never hitting a shelf and keeping my margins. So anybody tuning in, yeah, that's another way to go. Always be curious about different ways to bring your product to market. But what Basil said that is so, so important, I really want you to take it in, is the brand building part. Brand promises is all about your emotional connection with the consumer. And if you don't show them the face behind the business and how you are delivering that promise and why you want to bring this product to them, whether it's you, Basil, or your team and how important it is, then it's not going to get a chance to really resonate, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think if you can't stand in front of your brands, um, then, uh, you know, your team won't respect you. And, uh, you know, I've got some real high caliber individuals that are, that are from the pet industry now. And, you know, they call me out uh, every day on, on, you know, how we're approaching uh, the industry. And, and, and I prefer that, you know, yeah. because uh, I surround myself with the best, but I, you know, the one thing I would tell entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs is regardless of what it is you're bringing to market, you have to be prepared. Um, and this is real talk here uh, to cover the financial gap. And that's the piece where uh, it gets painful, you know, when you're when you're bridging your your first year of uh, maybe free fills uh, or doing whatever you are to get to market. And so I would encourage you to take the time to figure out what that could potentially cost. And then when you have that number, double it, 
because it's probably going to be more than uh, you would expect. And so if you're ready for that, then uh, um, you're ready to take your first step into the market. Okay, everybody, you know what I'm having right now? That's lovely. That's really, really important advice. Thank you so much, Basil, for that. Uh, yeah, as we are all building our businesses, it's so important that we hear incredible and, and relevant advice like that. And it does lead me to my next question, but I did want to share one of our uh, viewers from LinkedIn is saying, love that. Activate your gatekeeper. Great words of wisdom. I'd almost say that could be a stitch set on a pillow, guys. I'm thinking. I'm going to hold off, though. I've, I've had two over the last 30 years that I'm, I'm proud of, and it's activating your gatekeeper and what I called spoon-to-mouth marketing. Beautiful. And I was, I was very big on the quality of your product speaks volume. And when we were in Greek yogurt, you know, it, my big one was just you got to taste it. And right. Exactly. Oh yeah. That was my, was my premium granola. Goddess granola. Absolutely. That's what sold everybody. And it was so much fun being able to do those live tastings. And for you with your bag, you know, going up and down and meeting with retailers, that was a lot of fun. And so when COVID stopped, yeah. you had to get creative and innovative, right? And how you reached people. Yeah, it was difficult because established brands actually saw windfall uh, everyone went curbside. So if you were, uh, you know, an established kibble or a canned product, uh, people were buying, you know, 10 times the need. Uh, if you're an innovative brand uh, coming into narrow segments where you're relying on people shopping the store, it's tough. So right, row. yeah, we had to pivot and, and look at a couple of other uh, methods to keep people active. But, you know, the good news is there's over, I think the last figure was over 11 and a half million new pet households in the last year. So we're- And think, hopefully they stay that way, right? I mean, you know, they don't return. Because <laughs> yeah. I guess a lot of the shelters were emptied out, right? Yep, absolutely, yeah. We, um, all the shelters that we typically work with through Boss Nation Cares um, were completely empty. So yeah. it's um, beta fish and, and puppies and cats were on the run. <laughs> <laughs> We need, we needed something. That's for sure. I launched the show because I needed to stay connected with people. You know, things happen. And I'm sure many families are so happy they have their furry friends now and um, are enjoying that experience. I agree, Melissa. Love learning from this founder. Melissa is a founder of a clothing line called Pirouette NYC. I highly recommend everyone follow her on Instagram. She's doing remarkable things as well. Um, and a former guest on the show. Yay, 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 Melissa. So, but speaking of, you know, you gave that valuable advice, multiply it by two, the numbers you come up with, that is so important. How have you been funding your uh, brands, a uh, boss, nation's brands have you been using bootstrap have you uh, savings uh crowdfunding how have you financially supported and financed the business it keeps changing uh i would say up till now it's been personal funds mm -hmm. uh, and that's just uh you know i have uh, grossly underestimated the cost of entry grossly underestimated and that was because i entered with a frozen concept and realized pet stores didn't have freezer space. So the only way you're going to get entry is to buy freezers at this point. So that was uh, a variable I hadn't uh, anticipated. But, you know, I would say we're, we're already profitable. Um, I've gotten through uh, really kind of the worst of it. Uh, this is year three. And uh, but yeah, I know it's just been all uh, personal funding. Um, yeah. 
And, um, Congratulations. No, we love that. I am a huge fan of traction adds value to the bottom line. I'm sure you experienced it with your yogurt company as well. Yeah. And so that if you did want to scale dramatically and needed investors, you're not going to have your own ownership diluted. Correct. So remember that it's again, very sexy to be pitching. Those VCs are out there and they're, you know, pulling in a lot of folks right now, but remember 90% of founders are bootstrapping and that's a great way to go as well. You can do it. It's yeah. encouraged. My attorneys yeah. always want us to maintain equity. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, San Keith, did you hear that? And we love it when our attorneys protect us. Okay. So, so Basil, in, in that regard, you had, when you started bringing on your first customers, you talked about that customer acquisition being so important. Yeah. And we're always talking about this, uh, the CAC, the LTV CAC ratio here in the Startup Life Live show, how important that is for our businesses to understand your marketing ROI. What did it cost you initially? Where are you at? Mm -hmm. And what um, pathways for your uh, customers? How, how are you reaching them? Uh, well, Pet Specialty Channel has its own uh, special approach. It's, it's truly, as I said before, up and down the street. So it's identifying who those banners are. And they're either one store or 55 stores that feed the specialty channel. I mean, you can see upwards of maybe a hundred and some uh, specialized uh, banners. But uh, once you do that, it's just uh, targeting the regions. Uh, and you know, that's I worked west to east initially. Mm -hmm. I'm fortunate enough to have both a regional east and regional west sales manager. Uh, so I'm able to leverage those guys a little bit and work some of the headquarter calls is what I've been doing lately. But nice. Yeah. The first few years, you know, are just um, figuring out who the game players are and trying to build those relationships because uh, you're trying to tell a story. And, you know, I started off right in the beginning, just getting turned away really by everybody. I think every single distributor in North America turned us away. What was their number one reason? It's a crowded market where, like I said before, everybody's trying to figure out how to enter with protein concepts that are all very similar. Yeah. Because you have to meet the AFCO standard. Yeah. Uh, and um, so we, I had to find a way to differentiate. So part of it was, you know, I built a, a lot of credibility on the 20 years of Greek yogurt. Uh, I told people a story that I was going to innovate 11 product segments in 24 months. It's never done been done before in pet, and we did it. So we're in treats, um, supplements, full meal systems, and freeze-dried, raw, kibble, and then even the latest Boss Tactical. Uh, oh, my gosh. Line. So we, 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 told, we made a lot of big bets. And uh, after uh, continual knocking, some of the major players uh, took notice, and we started to get the listings. Tell and folks why SKUs, that many SKUs are so important, though. Why do re retailers like it and why does that help you, especially at headquarter conversations? Well, for me, it was in the beginning, I wanted a lifestyle brand. So I wanted mm -hmm. the idea that you can walk into a store and see us in every segment with real innovation. Yeah. But moreover, you, you know, I, had some, I have some great people on my team. You know, these guys are used to our last division. We scaled a little over 300 million in street. And so, you know, these guys are used to high velocity, yeah. um, high movement. So you can't do that just on treats. And so I knew I needed to make a lot of noise very quickly so I could innovate on top of each of the segments. And that was part of the reason. And, and then secondarily, uh, you have to cover your flank because um, somebody's always innovating something right behind you. Yeah. You know, and if you're not, if you don't have enough, um, 
diversity or bandwidth, uh, you'll get. Well, and up. also as the retailer, okay, so you're talking to a headquarters that's got, uh, you know, maybe a hundred locations. They like the multiple SKUs because it helps them with sales. Yes. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen both scenarios where, you know, you have uh, the store wants to, especially in pet, they want uh, that lifestyle story. Yeah. Uh, in, in human, oftentimes it's a data game. Mm -hmm. It's about, you know, you got a four inch by two inch product. What's the opportunity value for me? And, you know, that's really what they're after. So right. pets so, still largely relationship. So yeah, this is the biggest challenge, folks, right? I think uh, maybe Basil, you can chime in as well, that when you have this type of product where you're bringing something to a, a pet that has no buying power other than through their human, right? So you've got to meet the pet's needs while you're trying to activate the owner's needs and get them to buy and meet all of that. That's pretty challenging. Yeah. Again, I think it starts with innovating great formulation that the pets will love. And then, you know, it helps to have a little bit of marketing background. I'm very proud of uh, what our team has produced in terms yeah. of the look and the feel of the packaging. Yeah. Very wholesome. And uh, it really communicates well to both brand pillars, but that takes time, you know, to get that right. And, uh, and I've got people on the team that challenge me all the time on packaging and we make tweaks along the way until you have the perfect product, right? Yep. Yeah, you sure do until you get the right resonation. Then how about, you know, online? Are you doing videos? You showed your animals eating the product. Oh, how are you reaching people that way? We have some great videos on YouTube now. So if you type in actually one that just came out, it's a 12 minute video um, with me uh, introducing the company. Uh, at a property up in the Northwest, mm -hmm. and it's um, called the Boss Nation Brands Training Video. Uh, and then if you just type in anything, Boss Dog or Boss Cat, you'll see our tactical videos. You'll see me at the ranch or even at the goat farm with my daughter uh, picking up goats, doing that Yay. stuff. So, oh, that's wonderful. I'll, I will find that link and I'll put in the show notes, everybody. Okay, so you can quickly uh, click on that and take a look at that. Uh, that's phenomenal. And then, of course, where are you headed for scaling? Like what would be ideal for you um, nationwide? Are you already nationwide? Yeah. So boss dog and boss cat are now available in all of North America. Um, right. We do a fair amount of business globally in uh, Hong Kong, Singapore, Korea, Japan. And uh, there's just a huge demand in Asia currently. Three for, years. Yeah, Three years. Yeah. Well, I have a great team, uh, Andy. I mean, to be honest, I mean, they're, uh, you know, this is, we were, we, this was about market acquisition right in the yeah. beginning. So, you know, everyone has different strategies. Mine was largely about um, getting as much market share as possible quickly because I had a story to tell. That's right. Uh, in my previous world, it was um, finding one or two SKUs that you could drive as horses and then building off of that because I didn't have the same capital exposure that I do sure. now. So it was a little bit different gameplay. but And you did dogs first and then cats or did you yeah. bring them both? Yep. Boss dog initially, and then boss Makes cat. Uh, we introduced our frozen raw entree for cats this April. Okay, yeah, I'm just trying to get my arms around the fact that your product, because I get, you know, I get my pro probiotic is in the not freezer, but it's in the cold mm -hmm. uh, section. That you're right. That must have been a big barrier for you as far as bringing product in. It, is all your product frozen? Is it all going to be on the shelf? What's what's the story as far as shelf life? It's about 50-50 now. Mm -hmm. So I've got um, uh, half the line that's frozen and the other half that's uh, shelf stable. Okay. Oh, uh, but it's, not, it's not the same exact immediate challenges that you have in consumer where I dealt with uh, 
consumable yogurt or spoonable yogurt, which only had a 60-day shelf life. Yeah. But, you know, you had to get it a out. Minute. <laughs> yeah, you got to get it out of your supply house, get it into warehousing within two weeks or you're buying it all back. So um, the, one of the benefits of PET is I have a slightly longer shelf, but your, your turn rates are way much lower. You know, if you've ever walked into a PET store, you just don't see the volume of customers. Right. But, um, you'd be surprised at how valuable each and every one of those shelf life days are, uh, even wow. if you two years on a product. And do you see a lot of online activity as well, purchases? Yeah, we do. You know, I don't, I try to really support brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really where um, Pet Specialties focuses and we're really Excellent. a focused brand. But, you know, you'd, you know, you have to uh, entertain some of the dot coms with discretion. There's the right way and wrong way to do it. You know, we have a, a IMAP program. Uh, so we keep online retailers from driving the price down or compressing margin and racing to the bottom, which is very typical in pet industry. So what the thing that we don't I'm at pro what is that? Oh, there's different ways, you know, to manage um, deltas on your on your uh, price points. Yeah. And so anytime you can work with services that will uh, scrub the Internet and they'll look at certain customers uh, that are big in the dot com world. And if they see a variance that falls off of your standard, they can warn you and you can go yes. in and say, hey, Mr. Customer, you're selling X for a buck ninety nine and the map on it is two forty nine. So you're 50 cents in violation. And, and, and we do a great job of managing that. And brick and mortar loves that because it uh, continues to make them a viable uh, street shop. You know? Yeah. So see, that added value. Thank you for educating us on that. That is so important. And I know there are folks who are going to be tuning into this going, OMG, that I didn't think of when I was doing what I'm doing. So I love that. And folks, remember, this LTV CAC ratio is so important. And if you're sitting there going, say what? <laughs> Hop on over to YouTube to my Andy Licious Advice playlist, and you will find a very fun, simple, how to calculate the LTV CAC ratio video. I'll also have the link in the show notes. Get good at that because this is how much you, you need to know for investing those marketing, those in sometimes very limited marketing dollars in your business and understanding what that client acquisition cost, the CAC is going to be. So what are you working on right now? That is really hard because, you know, founders learn over the years how to do really hard things. We're problem solvers, right? We were talking about that earlier, Basil. What are you working on now? And is there any way that you know, perhaps someone tuning in on the Startup Live Live community can add wind to your sales or open a door? But what's your next thing that you're working on? Well, I'm staying in pet. You know, I think I've got a lot to do here. Um, you know, it's going to be several years before um, I have the luxury of looking at other yeah. projects. But you know, right now we're uh, we're just focusing on building out both the dog uh, and the cat pillar. Um, Any reptiles in your future? Reptile? <laughs> you never know. Boss bird, boss reptile. There's always a possibility. But uh, you know, <laughs> right now awesome. it's, uh, it's largely product extension now, Andy. So our, yeah. our our hands pretty much on the table. We know um, you know what mix uh, does well, and so for example, we're coming out with our lamb complete and balanced freeze dried recipe for dogs. Uh, in October, and then our new fish recipe for cats. So those are the next two extensions. But that's mainly what you'll see for the next uh, year or two. I'm uh, very excited for the fish for cats. Yeah, absolutely. It's a yeah. tough one to formulate. And so we, we already uh, 
do it for dogs and now we're ready to do it for cats. Well, I'm going to be, you know, finding out where I'm going to buy your products right here in, in the Boston area, because I know my kitties and especially my long hair, Norwegian, no Russian forest cat kind of mix. Yeah. He could really benefit from the, <laughs> from the, the hairball experience. Oh my gosh. Horses. Thank you. LinkedIn user horses. These owners are ready, already used to using probiotics. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You bring a very strong point there. And I've got my sales guys quite often say we need to entertain something in the, uh, the horse arena. So yay. <laughs> That's a great idea. Thank you. I wonder if it's Cynthia. You know, sometimes again, you, um, LinkedIn does not provide the username on that. All right. So, you know, you've been at this for a while. So I know that you have had your moments when you have felt inadequate as a founder how have you shifted your mindset? What advice do you have for folks? Well, I think early on, you know, I, I was, you know, we get very discouraged, you know, not so much in the pet industry, although I've had my moments. Um, and then uh, somebody once said to me that if um, you're doing it right, it should hurt extraordinarily. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it does. And so, you know, you're up late, you're up early. If you try to stay disciplined in between and keep somewhat of a routine, you know, that's that adds to it. So I think just having the mindset that um, it's going to hurt and, uh, if you know, you'll get through it. But if, again, it's it's surrounding yourself with really great people because I lean on um, a couple of real strong individuals quite often, um, you know, to get through those times. Sure. So, yeah. I love that. And final question before we, we wrap up here is. You have been we're at this again for a while, but how has this entrepreneurial journey served you, Basil, both professionally and personally? I wouldn't do anything different. Um, you know, even for the eight years of post-acquisition, we were somewhat of a skunk works and we were able to operate independent. I just I don't think I could really pull a nine to five. Um, so it's been great for me. I encourage both my children uh, to live a life of entrepreneurism. They've grown up around you know, the highs and lows. Um, so you didn't, you didn't scare them. We thought yeah. we were going to scare our kids yeah. out of ever doing it. Yeah. I, you know, go get a degree, but you know, when you're done with it, you might want to do something for yourself because you know, it can turn out pretty well. And so we, uh, I love the lifestyle. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Of course I'm unemployable. I've been unemployable since 92, but yeah, given that I find it's the best personal development program out there. You learn so much about yourself. You learn, you have the ability to solve problems. And I would say that's the biggest thing we've seen in the, our children are two young men now in their early twenties that boy, do they solve a problem in a heartbeat because they've watched it and been part of it. And um, that's fabulous. I am so grateful you came on and shared this amazing story about how you went from yogurt into bringing such an important element to the pet food industry. And you found that little white space, even though it's very competitive and it's in the premium product, all the challenges that you figured out are so amazing. Thank you so much, Basil. Any last words for folks? All right, yeah, thank you for having me. It's been actually one of my favorite shows. Um, very afraid about uh, getting us a few of these podcasts. And I have to say, this is uh, without question, one of my favorite. Love to talk about what we've done the last few years. So. Yeah. Oh, thank you for saying that. And thank you. You have no idea how much value you have added to so many founders through this conversation. Um, so I'm so grateful for that. And Richard O is on saying here, a robust microbiome is a good foundation for healthy immune systems. Okay, Richard O, there we go. Our 
our pets can now enjoy what we've been enjoying for years and keeping our gut health. And I know you're making so many pet owners very happy. And yes, Cynthia, horses will be coming too. I bet. I bet. Because that's such an important industry as well. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm going to pop you into the green room. So grateful that you came in and shared your very valuable startup stories. And congratulations with everything with Boss Nation's brand, Nation Brands, because you're rocking it in a short period of time. So a great role model. Congratulations to your success as well. Thank you so very much. All right, everybody. That was amazing. You know, of course, you know, I love going really deep into the product of manufacturing, all those parts and pieces, because whether you're a service industry or a product person, you know how much we can learn from those kind of stories. So I'm so grateful that Basil shared all of that with us and uh, we were able to go deep. Um, Let me share with you who's coming on Friday. It's, yep, it's Fab Female Founder Friday. And on September 10th at 12 noon, we have Kate Bradley Churn is joining us. Now, I got to tell you, Kate has the most extraordinary background. It's jaw-dropping, okay, guys? You're going to hear some incredible stories, and she has no problems sharing it because she has 20 years in broadcasting, okay? And a popular, very popular, serious a radio guest uh, and host. So, but she is now the co-founder of and CEO of Lately, which is a marketing software platform using artificial intelligence to automatically transform long form content like blogs, podcasts, and videos into dozens of smart social posts, yielding the highest engagement from a targeted audience. Oh yeah, founders. I got to tell you, content marketing is getting a huge lift and is going to be way more easier with what they're doing with lately. And hey, once again, how do you get an alert whenever I post a new show or you want to RSVP to Friday's show? Right here, join the Startup Life Live meetup group, bit.ly backslash Startup Life Live. The Startup Life are in caps and live is in all caps. So I've got the link in the show notes. Click on that, join the group so you receive an alert whenever we go live. And uh Thank you, Cynthia. Glad you enjoyed today's show. And I'm really telling you, I'm thinking the horses is going to happen for Boss Nation brands. So anyway, look, I am so glad that you and grateful that you tuned in. And as I always like to remind everybody, there's in this founder journey, you really do need to remember these few words right here. And that is Remember, you are braver than you believe. You really are. And you are stronger than you seem. And yes, as we say here in Boston, you're wicked smarter than you think. So I am truly grateful for your time today. Can't wait to see you Friday, September 10th, 12 Eastern. Wishing you all a delicious day. Cheers.